0: If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir,
1: it's heretic
2: happy out
1: <sighs> Oh, yes it is. And uh, I'm sitting here enjoying a homemade old-fashioned that is just really uh, doing it for me right now. It's pretty sweet. Um and welcome to the Heritage Happy Hour, whatever drink you happen to be uh, choosing right now. Um, I hope you're you're cozy and you're ready for a great episode. We are um, continuing our Reconstruction series, and um, I guess I should introduce myself. Hi, my name is Keith.
2: Hi, Keith.
1: <laughs> no, way to go. Uh, one of the co-hosts of the Heritage Happy Hour podcast, uh, I'm, the, I'm an author of several books, including just recently released um, Jesus unexpected, um, ending the end times to become the second coming, uh, with a forward by Baxter Kruger. And, uh, I am joined by my amazing co-hosts. Mm, I just let them introduce themselves. So I just do that. What you guys gonna do yourselves say, hi, I'm going to, I'm going to just sit back and enjoy this, uh, old fashioned.
0: I'm Katie Valentine and I'm a little jealous of that old fashioned. Cause I've been, um, just down with a t- minor illness. So I have like tea and water in front of me. Uh, and I'm the author of Sex, Slavery, and Self Control. And I'm also really excited to tell the heretical tribe I'm going to be launching a class in January on how to find your ideal church. Woo-hoo! And you'll hear a little more about that as we're getting on into the episode. So if people have, if you've been searching, that might be of interest to you. Cool.
3: Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm Derek Dave, and I'm a heretic. Yes, you are.
0: Yes, we know that. That's why you're on this
3: show. Oh yeah, that's right. Damn, yeah. So I'm the author of Deconstructing Religion, and um, and I'm thinking about writing a second, uh, sequel to that book called Deconstructing Religion Two. Burn that shit to the ground. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I'll, I'm going to go and pre-order one right now.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great subtitle. Great subtitle, and that that would make me Matt DiStefano bat and clean up here, saving the best for last. Just kidding, just kidding, y'all. And I am the author of multiple uh, books that you can get right now on Kindle for three ninety nine. So I've got Heretic from the Blood of Abel and all of the Bonfire Sessions uh, booklets, which Keith says are worth every penny, and they're only worth ninety nine pennies. So go, <laughs> so so fuck that guy and go pick them up right now.
3: Yes, money
2: well spent. Money well spent. I I guarantee, I guarantee you can't spend a better dollar. I, right. I gave my pound of flesh this weekend. What's the
0: price when they're not on sale, Matt?
2: Oh, the bonfire sessions are staying at 99 cents. All right. Yeah. Because they're nearly worthless.
1: (laughs) That's not true. Come on.
2: No, they're good. They're good.
1: You are number one. Aren't you like number one in your category? Like still?
2: No, not still. It only lasts a short time. You know this, Keith. Like, oh, I know. Yeah, it's true. It, it's funny because it's always some of the books that I wrote and then C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Oh, C.S. Lewis is always there. And he wrote that like a hundred years ago. Exactly. Like, Come which, on, man. Which <laughs> He's C.S. Lewis
0: book was it?
2: The Abolition of Man. It's always oh, in the gosh. top like five. And it's Who's been like I, a lot of people apparently. Apparently,
0: yeah. Wow. I mean, C.S. Lewis um, is fine. It's just odd.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's odd yeah. yeah. But anyway, excited to be here again.
1: Yeah. Some uh some uh, Anglican church is doing like a you know, a right. book study um, Yeah,
0: every, every global week. Anglican course. book study. <laughs> C.S. Lewis.
2: So Derek, don't we have something to tell these fine folks? Yes, we do. We have a hotline. And if
3: you exercise the muscles of your index finger, you can dial two four zero three four three seven three seven nine. Once again, two four zero. Three four three seven three seven nine, and we have a voicemail. So roll that beautiful voicemail footage. Hey, my name is Dylan. I was just uh, calling to let you know that I, I thought that the recent series on conspiracies was uh, rather unfortunate. Uh, most of most of the material that you guys put out is uh, fantastic, and I think that it helps people to. Um, to get a, a fresh look at the Bible and what it means to be a Christian. And, and I think that is good. But I think that tying um, that perspective to uh, conspiracies was, as I said, rather unfortunate. And um, hope that you can you can somehow uh, recorrect course and um, hope that it all goes well. Cheers. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Yo, come on now. You no, know, what I heard is that Dylan likes the show most of the time. You know, conspiracy theories work for you. Um, we had a lot of fun doing it. I had we a did. lot of fun with uh, with the conspiracy theories. It's fun to lighten it up once in a while, you know? It's yeah. so, so much you can talk about the Bible. We got to talk about other things once in a while.
1: I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, it it uh, As much fun as I had doing it, it really wasn't a self-indulgent series just because, I mean, I really wanted to do a podcast about these topics. And I know they're really wasn't any most of them had no real connection to anything uh theological spiritual which is why we wanted to jump back into a theological series after we finished it um so i apologize i know it wasn't maybe for everybody but i loved it i had a blast and
0: um like the spiritual connection read the book by john zada your life will be changed well
2: and and i'll just say this before derek's uh, i'm sure will chime in (laughs) like keith please don't apologize like if people think about it, like we're on our 90th episode, right? You're you're not going to hit 100% with every single person listening. And so sometimes we have to remember, like a lot of people who are creating stuff like we can be critical of things. But hopefully you like the next series, right? And it's only it's only four episodes out of 90. So it's like, okay, well, not not every episode. I'm a huge office fan. Not every episode is my favorite. I know, I know, I know. Ralph is going to hit me up on that one because, as a fellow office fan, but I mean, to, let's be real—like, you can't, you can't hit a, a grand slam on every at bat.
0: Matt, did you watch the British Office?
2: I did. Oh, yeah. Okay, just yeah. covering our bases. Of course, man, I know I'm a real hard school, our mm-hmm. hard, hardcore, old school fan.
0: Cool. I feel like we could tie this to some like redaction criticism, but we'll save it. We'll yeah. Revival episode. But you know, he was nice about it. So Dylan, oh, yeah. I, no, yeah. Thanks, oh, thanks Dylan. for telling us what you think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Barry, you were very nice about letting us know that you didn't really,
3: really enjoy it.
1: And um right. we're right. sorry
3: we didn't live up to your Here, standard. Here's the deal. White, white people love Elvis Presley. Also <laughs> white people love Elvis Presley. I mean, it's it's kind of a universal truth, sort of yeah, like, you true. know, air is breathable.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Elvis.
3: But but here's the thing, right? Black people have their, their artists, too, and their artist is Luther Vandross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every every Black person worth their salt. I used to tell my kids, listen, you don't, you don't get your Black card until you listen to Luther and understand it, right? So here's the thing. I don't like every Luther song. I love Luther. I love me some Luther, but I don't dig every song. So here's the thing. Dylan, we love you, and that's what matters. And uh, hopefully you'll keep loving us. And even though every episode may not be to your fancy, listen, you know, there's going to be some meals that you get that you don't like. And that's the way the Tootsie Rolls, my friend. Beautiful.
0: Well, speaking of kind of fitting, um, fitting things into new boxes, thinking of things in creative new ways, like we did with the conspiracy theories. Let's introduce our Heretic of the Week. Y'all will not be disappointed. Um, She is talking about really fun things in really new ways. So let's meet our Heretic of the Week.
2: It's the Heretic of the Week.
4: Hi, my name is Brenda Marie Davies, and everyone online tells me that I'm a heretic.
2: (laughs) Hi, Hi, Brenda.
4: Brenda. Hi, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brenda, welcome. (laughs) Hey, it's great to have you. Um, So, you know, we always start off by asking our guests or heretics of the week, why would anybody consider you a heretic?
4: Well, because I think that I am. I I actually, I've been called a heretic so many times and I just asked Alexa this morning what it was because I've never had a real concise definition. So I'm like, well, yeah, as someone that goes against the grain, that isn't Really subscribing to what the church has told them to be. Are there other negative connotations to it?
1: Oh, well,
4: yeah. <laughs> Heresy they is in those- the eye of the beholder, you know?
1: Yes. Well, of course. That that is the thing. I mean, usually when someone calls you heretic, they're not intending to say you're a forward-thinking thought leader.
4: <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying I I saw it as a compliment. I was like, oh, that sounds great.
1: <laughs> well, that's how you should take it, yes. Yeah. Even if that's not how they mean it. So are there any are there any specific things that um that you've been kind of vocal about that have made people decide to uh to compliment you that way? <laughs>
4: Yeah, absolutely. I have a YouTube channel and podcast called God is Gray, where I debunk myths of theology that a lot of the evangelical script has given us over and over again. So I like diving into history and theology and also Dun 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 feelings, which are so demonized in the evangelical circles, and just encourage my audience to really think for themselves and be spirit led, which ironically is what I feel like Jesus was always telling us to do. But Mm -hmm. when you're coming out of that black and white evangelical doctrine, people get really scared about thinking for themselves, embracing history, nuance, the complication of the Bible. I dispel purity culture. I'm LGBTQ plus affirming, sex positive. I believe in climate change. I do not like Trump. So <laughs> these are all controversial things. Although I do try to stay out of politics as much as I can because I, I don't want to chase everybody away from me. I'm trying to make it an inclusive space.
2: Yeah. Do you find that YouTube is um, kind of a breeding ground for vitriol? I, I don't do much on YouTube and, and I avoid the comment section, but did you get a lot of flack on there?
4: Yeah. Well, when I first started, I was gearing up. I felt like a hurricane was coming and I just had to board my emotional house up and get ready for all the comments. But when I started, there was just an onslaught of support and people finding resonance with what I was saying. One of the very first videos I had that was successful was called Jesus Was a Feminist. And I was responding to these YouTubers called Girl Defined, um, who put out this video that was like seven reasons we're not a feminist, and I knew that script from evangelicalism. I'd heard it a million times, and I knew how they'd sort of vilified that concept. So that was my first practice in really breaking down an argument that I disagreed with, and it was definitely more volatile in the beginning. I I did this one video that I'm proud of where I kind of really re-steered and directed the conversation and just said, listen, I don't care if you think I'm going to hell. I don't care if you think I'm a sinner. There's nothing you can say that's going to hurt me. So just maybe try to be more productive with the way we speak to each other in the comment section. And it really created a shift. And I believe that most people coming to the God is great channel know that if they're going to be there and say something, they need to be Interactive and gracious and kind whenever possible. And now I see my community even calling each other out when they're being less than kind or or judgmental. So I'm really proud of creating a space that I think is very safe for open dialogue. Um, although I will say TikTok looks horrendous now. I just <laughs> <bad> on- <laughs> I just got think- on that, which makes me feel like I'm a million years old, like just trying to experiment with it. But though. Christians on there are volatile. I can't believe it.
0: And I want to, I just want to clarify for listeners. It's God is gray, G-R-E-Y.
4: Yes. Because mm-hmm. I can imagine
0: some people typing in God is great. So gray.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's a little play off of that for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So tell us just a little bit about that. Why Why, why God is gray?
4: Um I actually had written a book about my experience of, I didn't have a language for it at the time, like deconstruction and reconstruction is brand new lingo in my life, um, thanks to this emergence of progressive Christianity. But when I started a bit over two years ago, I had just called my deconstruction phase my prodigal son journey, and I considered it me being rebellious and going off and being wild. Mine was very experimentally based. I experimented with drugs. I got very promiscuous. I call it my trampage phase. And at the end of the whole journey, I realized that I was still a Christian, that I had been the entire time, that a lot of the concepts I've been given were really not serving me. I had to realign my sexuality and my spirituality back again. So I wrote a book about that experience. I was shopping it to publishers and they kept saying, we like this material, but there's no audience for it. So I went on YouTube looking for sex positive Christians or LGBTQ affirming Christians. And instead I found the same toxic theology that I've been given my whole upbringing in evangelicalism. And my final straw after listening to these, these sweet blonde girls from all over the country talk about, why we need to vote Republican to be real Christians, why climate change isn't real, why birth control is a sin. My very final straw was a girl calling God her birth control.
2: And in that,
4: yeah. And she had like 100,000 subscribers, all young and impressionable. And I got so furious that I picked up a camera and I was like, I have to do something. So It's just really amazing little full circle journey because I went on YouTube trying to find a community to prove to publishers that there was a community. And then in doing so, I inadvertently built this community, and now I finally have a publisher, and that book is coming out over two years later. So, tell us a little bit
0: about the the environment that you grew up in, and what what it was like to make these shifts. I mean, you described a lot of things that I think we're gonna um, want to unpack even more. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah, tell us just a little bit more about that journey from A to where you are now.
4: Um, I was really caught hook, line, and sinker when I was 12 years old. I originally went to this evangelical group. Which strangely is it seems like so many of us got captured into this mindset around that same age with the true love weights movement, high, high, high uh intense focus on sexuality and honoring God with your sex life and staying a quote virgin. I didn't know that God cried when I masturbated or would cry if I had sex <laughs> before marriage.
2: <laughs> wait, God would cry. We would, wait. Stop right there. God would cry when you did that?
4: Every, every time it's every like time. The, tear, oh. the tears of god come down like rain <laughs> you like jesus cry oh. now
2: okay all right
4: <laughs> it's funny i think when i went into church i was so excited they were talking about sex it truly is one of my favorite subjects now i'm a sex educator so i'm like okay i guess i was always into this but um at the time, I was exhilarated. Like, oh my gosh, there's this cute pastor, Pastor Scott, talking to us about sex. There's all these cute boys. I was a nerd in high school, so church was the only place that these cute boys had to be nice to me because they were Christian. And um, yeah, I just... The way I describe it is that I always had such a deep resonance with Jesus since I was little, that when these adults that I trusted in this very cool, hip space with the rock and roll music and the lights and the fog machine told me that this thing that you resonate with cries when you masturbate, has these opinions about sexuality and LGBTQ people, it was really easy to conflate those two things because I was like, okay, well, okay, you guys are saying so, it must be true. You're on a pulpit, you know, you went to seminary. So I ended up leading the purity ceremony at my church when I was 15 years old. I organized it. I was that passionate about it. We bought chastity rings and all wore white and signed a contract. I don't think any of us, I think one girl made it to the altar out of that group of like 18 kids. Um. And I was praying on the front lawn of my school. I was arguing with my biology teacher. I was just the most pristine little evangelical sweetheart you've ever seen. And it wasn't until I was married and I found out my husband was cheating on me that I describe it as the pendulum breaking where I'd spent my whole life trying to abstain from sexuality and be perfect and and be what they told me God wanted me to be and as soon as that happily ever after narrative the evangelical church gave me broke my pendulum swung all the way to the other side and I didn't create a sexual ethic that was healthy and you know autonomous and good I just went all the way and really abandoned everything because I also was learning so much about these dichotomies you know if you are a Christian, then you are a virgin till marriage. And if you're not, then you call everything into question. So I definitely had a moment where I was sort of just throwing the baby out with the bathwater and I was like, well, not a virgin anymore. I do want to sleep around. So I guess I'm just going to do whatever I want. And that all culminated into this really abusive, terrible relationship after about seven years of living that way. Where I finally realized if I want my life to look the way I want it to, and if I want to be aligned with my spirit the way I used to be, that I really would have to plug in and learn more about like dispelling the myths that I was taught and figuring out how to become a whole person with my sexuality, my spirituality, and and my intellect. So.
0: Brenda when I went onto your YouTube channel and the introduction and you you said that you were a Christian, you were a sex positive Christian. I was like, "Yes, this is. I felt like we were going to be best friends yeah. <laughs> right there." And I love it that you just that's like one of the first things you say on on your YouTube channel. So, tell us, you know, for you, what what is sex positivity?
4: Well, I get so frustrated because a lot of people hear that sex positive term and think or say Oh well, God is sex positive. God loves sex. You know how all these evangelical churches have these like hot pastors that really regretted sleeping around before they got married. Now they have their hot wife that they have hot sex with. Like, there's just this whole narrative they give that is sex positivity in evangelicalism. And when you really break that down and see that only works for a certain number of people like i do believe you can quote save yourself from marriage and ride off into the sunset and have a million orgasms and live happily ever after but the more you get on the ground level and talk to people especially lgbtq plus people you realize there's nothing positive about that sexual ethic because it's not based in real conviction because when you're living off of just rules and restrictions that are kind of on this like sliding scale of what you think is a sin according to a certain day or what someone told you is a sin versus pressing into true authentic sex positivity, which is about enthusiastic consent and the honoring of your and your partner's bodies and really embracing who you are meant to be with your sexuality and not shaming yourself for kinks, not being in a state of fear or crying after sex. These are things that it takes a while for Christians to get back to because it's so different than the sexual ethic we've been given. Also, sex positivity for me in the religious view or the Christian view would be that we have to stop comparing especially women's bodies to objects. We are not chocolate bars. We are not dirty glasses of water. We are not chewed up pieces of gum sexuality is a renewable resource. You don't lose anything. This is why I don't like, or use the term losing your virginity because what are you losing? Nothing. You're gaining an experience. You're learning more about yourself. You are ideally reveling in and sharing something beautiful with the partner that you've chosen. So that's what it's about to me, getting rid of all of these ideas of loss and mourning and shame and fear and replacing it with true, authentic sex positive concepts.
2: Wow. A- uh, you, you mentioned um, the, the YouTube channel is God is Gray. What, what, uh, and, and it's a playoff, God is Great. What, what do you mean by gray and why did you pick that term?
4: I'm going to get a little woo woo because I am a Christian girl and well,
2: Katie's, Katie's going to love that then.
0: <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on.
4: So, um basically I was I was doing great on my own like before I started the channel feeling really rejuvenated in what I'd been learning about God and getting ready to, you know, shop around this novel and I was in my living room with a lover who was just a friends with benefits at the time, and now he's the father of my child in, in the other room. <laughs> um, but at the time, you know, I was just in such a state of peace and joy that I remember I just sat down in my computer and I had a real um, how do you describe it? When you just get overwhelmed by a concept or idea, it was like a divinely inspired moment. To the point that I I zoned out and I wrote down like over 40 videos that I thought I could make dispelling different myths, concepts that I really wanted to discuss on YouTube. And when I popped out of that, I looked at my partner and he was like, where did you go? And I was like, I think I have an idea. So it felt very outside of myself and divinely inspired. And when I sat down to get the channel ready... God is gray popped in my head immediately. And I resisted it so hard. I was asking friends for other suggestions because I was like, I don't want to be divisive. People are going to be like, God is not gray. He's black and white.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can hear him already.
4: Oh, trust me. I hear it every single day of my entire life, which I knew was going to happen. So I was like, God, come on. Can we not? And God's like, nope, that's the title. And now I'm so happy because The way I explain it is that God does reside in absolute truth and black and white, but that we on planet earth are stuck here contending with the gray. And to me, gray areas are when you truly are able to press into your spirituality and seek God. Because if you already know the answer, why pray? You know, maybe you still will out of honor, but most likely not. Whereas when you're really confronted with something, for example, black and white your whole life, the Bible was clear on sexuality, but your child or your best friend sits down with you and says, hey, I think I'm LGBTQ plus. That is a moment where you are forced to reckon with what you've been taught was black and white versus what is sitting right in front of you in this gray area. And my channel is to say you are encouraged to be in that space and I encourage you to explore. And I also encourage you to trust the Holy Spirit within you and come to your own conclusions and not be spoon-fed all of these things. Because when you really know something after you've pressed into that gray and then you get an answer, it's it's authentic to you. And that's where your spirituality and your relationship with God needs to come from. It can't come from all this external stuff. It has to come from within. So yes, in short, gray areas, I think, are where you find that divine connection. Hmm. You're all like, no, I disagree. <laughs> no, yeah, we're,
2: yeah. we're looking no, at the
0: chat.
4: No. So.
2: When, when, no.
0: when.
2: I you're disagree. Like, what God you is feel? black and white, damn
0: it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really curious um, for you now as a Christian, I love it that you're um, using that term, using that identity. Um, who is Jesus to you?
4: Jesus is exactly what I've been told, which is so bizarre because When you're in that gray space, that includes the very terrifying journey of challenging everything, including the divinity of Christ and whether or not that story has validity to it. And I will say there are some things that I can't be fully convinced of. Like, was he born of a virgin? I'm not 100% positive. I -hmm. do at the same time believe that God could do whatever the heck he wants. So whatever. But to me, those aren't really the important answers or even the important questions, um, except that we use her virginity to shame other women for having sex. But that's a whole other story. Um, But Jesus, I do think, was divinity on earth. I believe that God manifested himself in the body of a person, but also that we are all one. I'm very up on the Richard Rohr concepts where you know i i see divinity in everyone and everything and the bible clarifies that as well it always says you know jesus like you will do greater things than me and i am within you and that is something i truly believe we are all birthed from the divine and i just as crazy as it is believe that jesus did come to just experience his creation Hmm. Y'all think I'm crazy? <laughs>
1: no, not at all. No, no. No, not at resonate. all. Yeah, this is, I think we're all we all agree and resonate. And I think our definitely the audience of the Heretic Happy Hour uh, would identify with a whole lot of your experience and, and a lot of what you're sharing. So yeah, thank you very much. This has been amazing. Do now how so you have your YouTube channel and you mentioned you have a book coming out. Can you give us any more details about that? Or um do you blog? Are you on social media? Like what are places and ways that people can, uh, who who resonate with you and your story can connect with you and find out more about you and what you're doing?
4: Yeah, I have uh, God is Gray, G-R-E-Y is on YouTube and the podcast as well. And then I'm the same on Instagram at God is Gray. And the very exciting thing for me right now is that I have a book releasing April 6th. Although I will say pre-sales, I have no idea how valuable they were for authors. If you pre-buy a book, It really helps boost the energy around it and gets it sold to more places. So anyone who wants to support me, very appreciated. It's um, available on Amazon right now. It's called On Her Knees, The Memoir of a Prayerful Jezebel by Brenda Marie Davies. And that really tracks a lot of different things. I talk about all the gray areas from... Drug use to sexuality to the concepts of virginity and LGBTQ. And it's also wrapped around this story of me living in Los Angeles, trying to be this angelic, virginal girl, but really going down this rabbit hole of sexual exploration. In Los Angeles, with all these rock stars and movie stars, and all of the um, amazing drama that comes living in this world.
2: Oh. Well, the the title of that book sounds amazing because there's so many double entendres and play on yes. words there that I love it.
4: Yes. nicely titled. Yes, <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, thank you, Brenda. And you know what? Just just keep doing what you're doing. I, I not that anyone can stop you, but I think it's just beautiful what you're doing. I think you're really helping people to get set free from a lot of really bad, toxic kinds of, uh, Christianity that we're looking forward to seeing the end of that and the demise of that kind of Christianity and excited to see people like you out there giving people alternatives, like other ways of connecting with God or the ways of expressing their spirituality, their sexuality, their humanity, uh, and relating to God and to others, uh, in just a very beautiful healing way. So thank you for what you're doing. and. um
4: I was going to say thank you for what you're doing as well. I think the more we have these conversations and really just open ourselves up to other people's experiences, the more expansive your beliefs can be, even if they're not exactly aligned with mine. So thank you for having these conversations. Yeah,
2: Uh, absolutely. All right. Bye. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for (laughs) being here. Well, (laughs) she
3: was so much fun to talk to. You know, I I saw her um, video. Uh, that was circulating around YouTube. And I was just like really excited about being on that. But you know, guys during the day, man, it's like the meaty part of when I do all, when I do my magic in the corporate world.
2: Right.
0: That that lets you be here at night. I understand.
2: Yeah. But I mean, it was still, it was still a really good interview. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to her. I I will get, I'm going to, I'm pretty excited. I'm able to go on her YouTube channel and she's going to interview me. I don't know about what, but I'm super excited that, yeah, she became like a, a friend of the show, and I get to go talk with her on her YouTube channel. So, uh, huge shout out for coming on the show, Brenda. Uh, really appreciated it. Totally,
0: and it's um, I like talking about sex positivity because not a lot of people are putting that together with their faith experience. So, yeah, I'm excited that she's doing that and being um, super out about it. Yeah, very good.
2: yeah, yeah. It's well, sex positivity positivity is like one of those things that you end up deconstructing that you didn't initially plan on. It's just one of those. Parts of deconstruction that you eventually get to, you start maybe you start with theological stuff and then you move to more like personal stuff, like self stuff. And so I'm glad people are talking about that.
1: Yeah, very cool stuff. So that's um, almost a perfect transition into our uh, our topic for this week. So we are in this uh, reconstruction series, and I think what we realized right is that the four of us sort of take slightly different uh, perspectives on the whole reconstruction idea and what it is. Um, so. We're kind of like I think taking turns in the hot seat, I guess. Uh, explaining the way we approach reconstruction, the way we understand reconstruction. Um, so I think Katie, are you uh you're gonna you're gonna help us understand the way you approach this topic, right?
0: Yeah. So I'll give my I'll give my preferatory comments and we can we can get into it. So I love uh, being paired here with Brenda Davies because I'm also a sex positive Christian. And I think that uh, the stuff around sex and gender identity is probably one of the trickiest things to deconstruct the women and men probably do this differently, although it's really critical for uh, for everyone. Um, So certainly that's part of my story, too. But y'all, I have to say, I'm in a really weird position. I told someone this a couple of months ago, Derek, you make me look orthodox. And I didn't think that that was possible. <laughs> and so now that we're following kind of your, your story, um, I feel like I'm in a in a position where I don't want to be an apologist for Christianity. That's not who I am. Um, but my reconstruction has landed me in the place right here, right now, where identifying as a Christian like that word um, has become more important to me I would say in the in the past few years and as I kind of told my story a few episodes ago, um you know I was kind of led down a path where I would be almost leaving the church and then called back and then almost leaving but like always pulled back and eventually became ordained um, in the church but for so for me that identity as a Jesus follower and as a Christian is really important. And what I've come to understand for myself is that I don't really care. I mean, I do care what all these other people are doing um, about, you know, the toxicity within Christianity and Christian religion. But that doesn't define me. Other people's toxicity and the way that they're misconstruing um, the Jesus message, the Christian message, doesn't actually affect the way I see myself and the way that I um, inhabit that identity as, as a follower of Jesus. So here I am. I, I probably ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I wouldn't have said that. So it's definitely been a journey. I struggled with that identity, and for me, one of the big shifts was that for me, being a Christian isn't a label; it actually is an identity. I, I happen to do that within a denominational home that really works for me. Again, I'm not an apologist for this, um, but that's that's where I've landed. And you know, with the new class I'll be doing in January, I it's part of part of me just wants. The world to know that there's Christians out there who do it not perfectly but do it right that the best you know on their journey, and I love being around those people and so that's where I am so i'm field is wide open let's let's talk how does this resonate or not resonate, and what questions do you have uh, I'm all about the
3: journey the the journey is is great um and and one of the things that I want to say because i'm I'm frequently accused of being a church basher, right and and i'm I'm not really about that. Um, what what I am about is controlling doctrines, right and and so one of the things about you, Katie, that I love about you is that it is that you you really embrace the whole journey part of it and and helping people find that thing that works for them and and that that's that's really the trick because at the end of the day, if you're doing something that doesn't work for you, stop doing it. Yeah. It's real Then I'll
0: drag similar. you down. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
3: I mean, it, it's like, and, and so I really appreciate how you've um, how you've taken things that that have been eschewed by Christianity, but are really baked into it, if you think about it, um, the metaphysical part of it, the the spiritual part of it the quantum part of it and all of these things you you embrace and you say okay here here's here's the thing Jesus first then find your groove and and I'm I'm all I'm all down with it I love your path I love your journey it's not mine because if I were teaching your class I would <laughs> I would teach it like <laughs> this you know you're trying to Go. find a good church don't but right.
0: Is, yeah. Is, but yeah. Is, <laughs> you know, <like> plus one. <laughs> <a> don't. <laughs> yeah, and it's being in the wrong church is, it, it's just deathly. I mean, it's yeah. just deathly. It will, it, it will, uh, it will fester in you in so many ways. So I definitely don't advocate staying in a place that's toxic.
2: Nope. great right. Katie, you said something earlier um, that Christianity for you is not just a label, but an identity. And when we get into "quote unquote" my episode, I I will probably talk about this from my perspective, which I'm guessing will be different than yours. So maybe explain that a little bit differently, because I I don't take on the label Christian, but if for you the label it's not about that, it's about identity. What does that mean for you?
0: Yeah. So let me let me start with um, what I would see as a label. So what I would see the label might be my like denominational affiliation or the particular church that I go to or uh, something along those lines. Right. Even even like metaphysical, like I'm a metaphysical Christian. And in some ways, that's a label. Um, But for me, being for me, being the follower of Jesus and being um impacted each and every day, each and every moment by the life, death and resurrection, the ministry, the teachings of Jesus is critical to who I am. And believe me y'all, I've tried to leave it several times, several yeah. times. And every time I've tried to leave it, God has just gently been like, I, I need you here. You're calling this here. And so for me, that's the identity piece that's um, part of who I am. For me, doing that in a way that's um, resonant with the core of who I am and see- speaks about who I am, not what I'm not. Is really important. Did that answer your question, Matt?
2: Yeah. No, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it just, I just love how it's, it's so different, but I understand, it's so different for me, but I understand what you're saying, if that makes sense. And like, like Derek, I really appreciate that a part of, of, of who you are and what you are and what you're all about is embracing the journey and just knowing you for a short period of time now, embracing the journey of others when they're not at the same place as you. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, we all have. I mean, we're and I'm. Yeah, we're all we're all in different spots of the journey, and the the journey has to be respected, right? Right. We have to have. I think. I think we all have to have deep respect for our own journey. Um, it's when it's. I think when I get um, ants. And antsy is not the right word. Um, when I get um hopeful, and when I get um sort of sort of sad, is when I hear people say that like they they don't feel like they can call themselves a Christian because of what other people are doing. And that means we're always defining ourselves against someone else. And so I decided a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to define myself by what I, who I am and what I am and the journey that I'm on, not what other people are doing. That concerns me because I want to speak my voice into the, you know, into the world in a um, Christ-centered way, but they don't define me. Yeah. So can I just ask for some clarification? Because I love what you're saying.
1: and I And I've had many friends of mine have take different perspectives on uh, this this, situa- this this question that you're asking. So, uh, for example, I've had friends of mine say to me that I can't call myself a Christian anymore because some people have said, I can't call myself a Christian anymore because when I say the word Christian, um, that word carries baggage. Then people assume when I say Christian that they think, oh, th- you're like those people on, on TBN that ask them to send them money and God will heal you. or you know, so no, no, that's not what I mean, so I don't want to call myself a Christian. But I've also had people say, and I think this is from the positive side, so I'm curious what you think about this. I, I've actually had friends of mine tell me that they don't want to call themselves a Christian because they've studied early church history, and they've read stories of these martyrs, these Christians in the first century and second century who are willing to be skinned alive because they, uh, they would not renounce Christ, and they read these stories and they say, that is a Christian, and I'm not sure I'm worthy to uh to say that I'm in the same group or category as some of these people who were hardcore and radical in ways that I can't even imagine. And so it's more out of respect for the term. In other words, not just like, oh yeah, someone's ruined the term and so I, I don't want to use it, but even at the side of saying, you know, uh, uh, someone who's a Christian in their minds is someone who's um, committed to the level of giving up their life and shedding their blood and Giving up everything and all that, so I, I'm just curious, how what's your perspective on those two sort of different ways of of, of taking the stance of saying I I don't feel like I'm I want to take the label Christian.
0: So um the so let's let's speak to the second one first. Um, let's not hold ourselves to the standards of martyrs, and <laughs> in, in, in order for our identity to come through, because we're um, you know when it comes down to it, in terms of like Derek was saying, in terms of doctrine, I don't think I don't have a lot. So if someone's like, you have to um, say that you believe in X, Y, or Z, or we're going to skin you alive, I'd I'd probably be like, yeah, I'll just say it and ask for forgiveness later. I'm fine with that. I don't think that's going to affect my identity as a Christian. Um, You know, uh, I might might feel bad about it. I might not uh, as well. So, you know, I won't, I wouldn't know what that moment will feel like until it's there, but y'all, I'm a female ordained minister who's sex positive and is into things like chakras. There's a lot of people out there who tell me I can't be a Christian yes. <laughs> right like there's a lot a lot who are like, but you know any one of those things except for be just being a woman would yeah. like you know oust me right yeah um you know for the for the trauma piece, I think this is where it's I think it's just so important um that we work through um work through the traumatic experiences that we've had and i've I've had my share as well, uh, including in toxic churches and so. When, you know, when just the word Christian kind of illuminates that we're undergoing, that we're still in a period of, of trauma, that we're still experiencing that, um, it's really important to have a safe space. And it's probably important to, to walk away from the identity or try on a couple of different identities until we find the one that resonates with us. And I just keep on thinking of what Rita Nakashima Brock said when she was our Heretic of the Week, um, when she was talking about moral injury with vets. But, you know, I, I said, you know, can people who uh, have experienced toxicity in churches also um, experience this? She was like, yes, it's a betrayal by a community. And it yeah. takes a long time to work through that betrayal and into what we are and not only what we're not. Right. Um, I wanna, as I wanna, well, I
3: touch on that, that being thing for a second, too, Katie, because uh, one of the things that I think that what religion does is it denies being it it you know religion denies um the sexuality of a person, religion denies the racial identity of a person it denies denies, denies it doesn't edify or 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 affirm any of that and And so when you say that that Christianity is part of your being, I so identify with that because you know the thing is for me. I don't identify with myself as a as a Christian not because of anything anybody's done even though people have done a lot and more than enough to fuck up my perspective on that but what what I'm I'm not a Christian or I don't identify as a Christian because I believe that Christ is too big for any particular ideology it's too big for any particular religion that Christ is is yes he's a person or or there's a person of Christ but that person of Christ made all of us Christ, and that this Christ thing is—is—is is, is, this is humanity big, or it might be even uh, universally big, or it might even be dimensionally big. But it's—it's bi- it's certainly whatever it is, it's bigger than what we understand, and that's why I—I uh, I don't understand. I, I don't. I no longer identify as a, as a Christian, but I understand your perspective. Yeah. Uh, that that whole being thing when you say that that resonates with every fiber of my spirit.
0: Oh, yeah. I I love the moments of resonance too. And, you know, for me, I I have no problem seeing Christ globally or intergalactically for that, you know, for that matter. Um, And it still doesn't affect my identity as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as the person who inhabited that Christ spirit. And that doesn't, you know, and I can be, I feel pretty universalist, you know, within that. And so I love that we have two different ways of conceiving that. The hugeness of that. Yeah.
1: So for you, Katie, if I'm understanding, if I'm tracking what you're saying, it's for you, Reconstruction, part of that, the way you look at Reconstruction is sort of reclaiming um, without apology, the terminology of, in other words, giving yourself permission to redefine the term Christian in ways that for you make more sense as to what you see Christ as.
0: Yeah. And that are life-giving. Yes, I like that. If it, yeah, if it's not life giving, we don't need it. Yeah, I love that.
2: Yeah. And I and I certainly appreciate the uh, you know what? Y'all aren't gonna take this from us. Like, you don't get to redefine the term Christian as like white, evangelical, anti gay, anti sex, all this kind of stuff. Like it's like, no, I mean, I, I fall for this all the time. Personally, like a lot of times I'm like, y'all are embarrassing and I don't want anything to do with the label. Like I, if that's Christian, I'm done. Yeah. And it's almost, it's almost like Katie with you. It's like, no, you don't get to take that. You don't get to take that term Christian and have it mean all these homophobic, xenophobic, bigoted, racist things.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I can't control what other people do. I can control, you know, what I do. And I, I mean, I mess it up too. Right. It's not like I walk around being perfect all the time. All right. I fall down a lot. You're a poster child. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> heavens no but the <laughs> right so like i screw it up too and the thing is you know when um when would christians who are kind of aligned with the same kind of way that i define myself are together we still manage to we've still managed to screw it up you know that's okay you're like we're not we're not joining together because we're perfect we're actually joining together because we're imperfect yeah but we want to join together and do you know do this jesus work out there together
1: right that doing the Jesus thing. following jesus isn't about perfection it's just about um That that commitment, that desire to follow Jesus. Yeah, I heard Derek in the background there.
3: Yeah, Derek. Sorry. No, I I I was I was I was making a snide remark. I was saying not perfect, just (laughs) forgiven. Yeah, I got to see that bumper sticker. Unless your heart,
0: right? Like radically imperfect. Actually, I would I would say. Um,
2: But 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 giving a shit. Like I mean, I I don't want to like speak to Christians' hearts and paint the broadest brush. But I don't know. I mean, I lived in that world forever. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like a lot of people weren't taking it that seriously. Right. Not, like it's, you know, so it's not about like imperfection or perfection. It's just like, well, are you are you taking it seriously or not? Well,
3: m- my thing is that, you know, when people have taken it and, and redefined it, re, um, perverted it, distorted it. Right. And and I, I love what Katie is saying, because I mean, you know, literally she's drawing a line in the sand. And, and she's saying, "This, this is not just <clears throat> what I believe. This goes down to the very fiber of my being. So you're not going to come up here and and punk me on this. You're not going to chump me on this. I, 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 I represent this that I follow, this that I believe, this that I inculcate into my spirit. And so, fuck you guys. You're not going to come in and take this away from me. And, Katie, and I'm Katie I'm, might
2: not say that. You and I'll say that." Yeah. I said the spirit of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but, but I'm I'm like I, me personally, I'm, I'm at the point where, you know, you know, fuck religion, you know, fuck theology, fuck it all. Because um a- at the end of the day, it's, it's taking all of this because if you, if you get right down to it, Jesus at his core is love. And, and, and when you, when you get away from that and start to uh, build all these layers of veneer and, and, and shell and, and uh, and kernel around this, and and then you you form, formulate all these doctrines and dogmas around it. Then it gets to be something that's ugly. It gets to be something that's that that that's really deformed and and has no useful purpose. And and that's what I believe that that theology has done. And so when 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 I look at Katie and how she's presenting or representing uh, Christ, I'm totally down with that. I'm totally on board with it. That that that's a Christianity that I can embrace. But it's like that all all the rest of it that's out here, you know, I, no, man, no, fuck it, really.
0: Well, yeah, the I'm curious what the rest of it is because no matter see my thing is um I, Trump you know, loving,
3: gay hating, um misogynist uh paternal uh, you you name it. I mean, it, it's like if it, take any 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 segment any large segment any broader segment of mainstream Christianity and you get it you know see this is the thing that that I think that is really so beautiful about about you guys about Matt about Keith about Katie and about people like you is that you guys you you guys have found the pockets of goodness and basically it, it's it's almost like you know you you guys have found a hermetically sealed candy in a pile of shit <laughs> and, and and it's and it's amazing. You know, because first of all, that you were so diligent in finding the candy, and then number two, you found something that has been untainted, that has been undisturbed, that has been unviolated, and and that that's exciting. So so it's like listening to Katie's uh, her reconstruction and and explaining to the to the broader community, explaining to our audience why she still identifies as Christian. It, Katie, I just want to say, I get it. I get it, I I get it completely without reservation. The, but oh, the thanks. rest of them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the
0: rest. Well, see. So see, I'm the, someone it's a who shame actually you can't
3: convey the middle finger over the air like this.
0: Right. Well, so I'm actually someone who really enjoys structure. Um, it's sort of like kind of free spirited as I am, I really enjoy like I, I really enjoy structure. I really enjoy community. Um, I you know I like kind of having framework for things. I you know I belong to a denominational home that does not emphasize doctrine. We have no statement of beliefs. Um, for someone, you know, was for someone when they when they joined a the church. Um, so that works like super, super well. Uh, for me, but you know, I think my part of my message, and I, I had one of my mentors tell me this once. She was like, "God has put such a burden on your heart." I mean, she's very traditional language, but she was like, "God has put such a burden on your heart for the church." And I fought against that for a while because, like, I, I'm not about representing an institution at all. Then I find I kind of realized that she was a little bit right. And I like, I find myself in this weird position where I don't want to be an apologist. That's not who I, you know, not who I am, but I actually do enjoy like church and church community and structure when it's done right, um, when it's healthy. And one of the things that breaks my heart is that I just talk to people all the time, you know, who don't believe if they want to talk about chakras, they believe that they're going to like, if they're going to be. Every church and across the world is going to tell them they're going to burn in hell. But I know so many, you know, I know so many clergy colleagues who would welcome that conversation and find a place for them in their imperfect community, who's following Jesus the best way that they know how. And and, and so like, there's there's more out there, but like when we see the toxicity, that's all we can see.
3: But but see again, what 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 I what, this is my my point is that you found the exception. I mean, it, and and. Again, Keith, you know, in his books, Keith's books are so they're so uh, conversational. It's not like you're talking to a, a deep theology nerd, even though you are. It, it, he's <laughs> he's having like this really great conversation, and 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 basically, you guys have found the niches, the 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 grooves, the exceptions, and and what I guess what what I would like to see more of, and and this is the sad part and you know going back to my discussion about quantum is that in the 20s you had uh bohrs and einstein debating the whole thing about quantum versus you know um the general relativity and those things moved the needle i mean it it changed the entire sphere of scientific thought but it's like rob bell comes in and says no hell and and the church loses its shit you know it, what i'm saying is that what you've done Katie, is that you found you found the beauty in the ugly. And and that's that's the amazing thing. And and I and I, my hat's off to every theological mind who's found the beauty in the ugly. And my hope, my sincere hope is that that you're able to take this and move the needle. Matt, that your book, Heretic, it moved the needle for me. I I, I think it should be required reading for every member of every church in America, honestly. Um heresy. But, yeah, but still, I mean. That's what we. That's what we need to move the needle, and, and that's that's my frustration, is that, you know, you you have a Katie Valentine out here who gets it, who who understands, you know, Reiki and chakras, and and is not afraid to say that in in the same sentence as Christ. But if you say that in the right circles, Katie, the Heretic Happy Hour, man, that that'll be the least of your labels.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, but so what.
2: Yeah, but sorry. I, right, I, I mean, and that's I, kind of where
0: I, I am now. I'm like, eh, yeah, I, okay, yeah, yeah,
3: okay. Yeah. I appreciate me. your boldness. I mean, yeah. that's 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 the whole thing. I just want to say I, I've used a whole lot of words to say, I really appreciate I, I mean, I I love you as a person, but I really appreciate you as a theologian. and I appreciate you as 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 a scholar, and I appreciate you as a Christian.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I um I feel that very much. I appreciate that. Um, But, you know, that's what um, I think for me, it was it's been really important for me to find the circles that I can talk to. Like, I don't want to be in an echo chamber and I don't want to I don't I don't have any interest in trying to sort of persuade people and churches that are, uh, you know, Christians who don't believe that I am a Christian. That's fine. You know, they can think whatever they need. It's fine. I'm really interested in the people who are um, who are wrestling with their own identity. Like, let's talk. That's fine.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's the spirit of Christianity right there. The way I understand it. What? Which part, man? Oh, just everything that we're talking about. That that it's you know it's about it's about meeting people where they are. It's about appreciating one another. It's about, um, you know, like what 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 Derek was saying, that, well, and what and what you're saying, like Derek will say things like we we're not moving the needle enough in theology and and all that's true, but that that we just keep we keep going at it, we keep grinding at it, and and we eventually get people to realize this. You know, it's not it's not about it's not about what your doctrines are and all that. It's just about it's about community. It's about love. It's about coming together. It's about being who you are meant to be.
0: That's wasn't our wasn't our second episode on the Beatitudes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's about like living that life, right? Living that life. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. just
3: I think that the church would be a better place if there were more Katie Valentines. I'll just go. Oh ahead. yes.
0: I'm, um. I'm not sure that that's totally true, but But the good news is I'm part of a church and I'm, I'm one voice among many, many, many. So that's, those voices are out there. We're just not always, they're not always the loudest. And
3: they need to be, they need to be louder. They need to be amplified. I mean, you know, shit, if if I can go out and and be your spokesperson, be your salesperson, you know, Hey, you know, I'll go out there just like evangelicals do for their, you know, for their white Jesus, you know? I I'll, I I'll, I'll, hey, do you do you have, have you been introduced
2: to Katie Valentine? Do you know Katie
0: Valentine? There you go. Well
2: Wait, was Jesus not white? Derek, I mean, you, you got to explain this to me. <laughs> well, that's another episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um Katie, I'm curious what you think um because I, I I I believe this kind of came up on the previous episode when Derek was leading us through his thought processes of um reconstruction and and it's something he's he's brought up a couple of times. Um, and the, the, his his conviction that in uh, the way he sees it, that in theology as compared to like let's say science or some other some other fields of study, that theology has not had an equal level of sort of uh, people that have moved the needle or advanced new thought in theology, um, you know, uh, in the same way. So I I know I don't agree with that exactly, but I, I know that you have said something about that as well. Since you're on the hot seat, I would like to ask you. Uh, Your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, no, so I I don't agree. Um, What I do agree with, though, Derek, uh, and everyone, is that um, theology is not considered to be sort of a primary field that is consulted to help inform other fields. Um, That is definitely true within the academic world. I can sort of attest to that. Now, within my professional guild, um, the, so the Society of Biblical Literature Guild, um, it's not quite theology, but people really specializing in ancient scriptures, um, you know, at the SBL, and some, whenever we do meet in person and one far day, one far away day, uh, when we're in a non-COVID world, you know, 75% of people who are there are um, older white men. About 25% of us are (laughs) either female or women of color. So, some of those men are certainly moving the needle. Um, Some are not. Um, Some are talking about things we've been talking about for 250 years. But my life would not be the same without feminist theology, without womanist theology, without uh, Muharista theology, without these theologies that have recentered the questions that we're asking. Mm -hmm. Those theologies are life giving are they moving the needle across the world actually i think they are we don't always see the new needle until uh far afterwards i think people who are talking about science and religion and asking those challenging questions uh are moving the needle is is that the thing that mainstream evangelical fundamentalist christianity is talking about no and i don't even care
1: right yeah see that's a good point see i think you made a good point katie if if we're gonna measure um Sort of, uh, what's the word? If we're going to measure uh, advancements in theology by whether how much or how little the evangelical Christian community moves or changes, that's the I think that's the wrong measuring stick, uh, because I well, think by definition. His, how about his
3: impact on humanity in general? That's, right, that's the that's the question. Right, and, and, and see, when when you when you look at like. Like advances in manufacturing, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, Henry Ford didn't invent the automobile and he didn't invent the assembly line. What he did is he scaled it and, and, mm-hmm. he, and, he, and he scaled it in such a way to make the automobile accessible to many people. That was a game changer. That, that changed uh, manufacturing uh, as, a, as a discipline and it also changed automotive engineering as a discipline. It was a sea change. It wasn't. It wasn't something that that gradually moved the needle. It was like boom, there it is, right? And and that's and and I guess that's the thing that that I'm that I'm looking for. It's like when when Christian Barnard did the first heart transplant, it was like boom. There there was no going back to not doing heart transplants again after that. It it, it, the the you know the horse was out of the barn, and and so every every uh, medical practitioner, every cardiologist every transplant specialist, they had to contend with this truth. This is something that now it's here. There's no more debating the ethics of it or anything else. Here it is, guys, you got to deal with it. That's the moment that I'm looking for. And and in all honesty, th- that moment hasn't happened since Luther nailed his theses to the door of Wittendorf.
2: Okay. Well, that. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the heart transplant or anything like that is building off hundreds of years before that, where they didn't see the needle move until that moment. So we never know what our work does to eventually get to that place where we're like, Oh shit. And it's normally like a hundred years later, like after we die, you know, they look back and they're like, Oh, Derek day was, was saying some shit that we now realize. And it's like, Oh, they were the more of the pioneer of this thing that we don't give, You know, like, like the people that should get credit often don't.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and I'll say the the theology is a discipline. Um, The broad, like broad theological studies, especially for, you know, Abrahamic religion, Abrahamic religion. Socials manufacturing. Uh, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm speaking like super broadly, not just within my kind of sub, you know, sub, sub, sub discipline. Um, The faith, faith communities and individual lives of people. And their interpretations of their spiritual experiences will always outlast academic communities. So in that way, Derek, I, I do kind of agree with you. Um, it is, is the, the way we live out our faith life, which for me is as a sex positive, ordained female metaphysical Christian, um, that, that will always outlast um, what scholars are saying. And that's as it should be. That is absolutely as it should be. Um, so in that sense, it is, we, we work by erosion of old ideas that are no longer life giving, those need to erode. And then by the slow, you know, hearts change slowly as well. And so those, uh, you know, I think when we're living out our Jesus message, our Christian message, our whatever, fill in the blank for whatever your identity is, that's how needles get moved. Yeah. It's by groundswell, not by top down.
3: Yeah, and and I get that, and and you you are one who I believe is contributing to that. I mean, basically all of you guys. Um, but I, I guess my thing is that um, I'm not happy with the glaciers. I'm looking for the volcano.
0: Well, you need to nail some theses to a door.
3: I, I do it every day.
0: <laughs> right, you do. I, I know you do, I mean, and I appreciate far, that.
1: I hear what you're saying. As far as like, well, I like the cat, the uh, nuance that you place on it, Derek. As far as like seeing. Um, Change in like on the ground level of like people uh, you know are changed not just uh, theologies or you know you know people that are writing theological books or debating different things in uh, universities or or, or, ch- or churches or something like that. Um, so I guess if you take it from that perspective, you're right. I guess we haven't seen a huge huge change in a lot of areas um, as the result of some sort of theological things. But at the same time, I do. Think See changes. I mean, I would see what's going on right now. I mean, the the whole deconstruction movement is a freaking movement, and it is huge. There are dozens, probably thousands, of podcasts on deconstruction, books on deconstruction. I mean, yep. choir wouldn't exist, heritage Capital wouldn't exist without deconstruction. And I think that if you fast forward fifty, a hundred years in the future, they're going to write books about this deconstruction movement that totally transformed evangelical Christianity, certainly in America. Um, in, yeah. in radical. And Keith and not, is going
3: to write a third. On and it. we're
1: not done with it yet. I mean, this. I think this movement has just begun. Uh, I think honestly, like what I'm see what I feel like I'm seeing is, we've gone through close to maybe a decade of the deconstruction part of it. I think we're getting ready to, to transition now into reconstruction. And I think I don't think we even know what that's going to look like yet. And there may be something after that. So uh that excites me, you know. And and I and I would say. A lot of that is driven by the writings and the thinking and the work of people like Richard Rohr, Alan Watts, um, Rene Girard, uh, even Thomas Ord. Holy cow, I think Thomas Ord's whole God can't thing is going to, it will change things on the ac- at the academic level. I know seminaries are already beginning to grapple with the ideas he presents in the God can't book. Uh, and Mark Harris as well is another person who's uh, advanced these ideas in open theology. Uh, so I, I'm excited about that. I think there are changes coming. Like to Matt's point, I think it's just going to be a slow, uh, it's going to take a while for it to trickle down from the theological sort of seminary, Bible college level into the pews, into the the lives of people. But I think, thank God for the internet and thank God for podcasting. Yeah. Because, because of those mediums, uh, it is accelerated now to a level where it's not going to take decades it's gonna it's really gonna be bad, here, man. you know months or years
3: i'm like i'm like oppenheimer split that fucking <laughs> atom
0: <already. laughs> well, in keith i would say that the trickle down from seminaries to churches to people um is not likely right and i say that with great love i've taught at seminaries or i've taught seminarians um I'm, thank you all the institutions i've taught at and all the students i've had Um, But I know when you're an active working pastor, like keeping up to date with the latest and greatest theological books um, is pretty challenging. I actually think it's ground up. Uh, Yeah. That's the most impactful. I think,
1: see, I think you're right. See, do do you agree? I think that's what's happening with the deconstruction movement. I think it's the people that are forcing the churches to address these questions and, and respond to these shifts.
0: Yeah. I have colleagues who listen to this podcast. They'll talk to me about it. Uh, clergy colleagues they like it um and it's opening their eyes as to what people um are experiencing in the world so that they can be better equipped to address it yeah beautiful within their beautiful. role cuz you know clergy it's just, um for me anyway it's a sacred role um it's a sacred mantle i take it very seriously i'm not actively pastoring a uh, church uh, right now but that relationship the responsibility that Clergy have within my, you know, my colleagues who take this so seriously. You know, they're all um, beautifully doing the work of Christ. Um, they they take very seriously the needs of people out there. and They want to know what those are, and so it's I think that ground up identifying what those needs are is actually what creates the um, erosion and then the volcanic eruption, like Derek uh, desires.
2: Yeah, which is which is all good things, and if people want to get more into what we're doing. It's it's great that people in who are colleagues of yours are actually listening to the show. Oh, which I think it's I think is fantastic. So if you're one of those, head on over to heretichappyhour.com and see everything that we got going on. And we have a bookstore. So if you really want to get to know like people what people are reading of all the guests that we're we're bringing on this show, we have a bookstore at heretichappyhour.com where we have as many of the former heretics of the week's books generally more often than not are going to be 15% off of what you're going to get elsewhere and it's going to support the show. So go check that stuff out and uh, let's see if we can keep this groundswell going by reading good material.
0: Awesome. Uh, We would also love to continue the conversation with everyone. at Heresy after hours. We have 2100 heretics. Who are asking Woo. tough questions, giving great recommendations, recommending books from the bookstore. Um, they're snarky, but supportive all at the same time. And uh, for those who are Patreon members, who are patrons of the podcast, we have an exclusive group just for you. You get access to all of us. And so that's a, a little more intimate group. Oh, did someone say Patreon? Yes, the magic word, boys and girls. We do
1: have a Patreon page and it's for people who love the, the podcast so much, they just cannot get enough. And so uh, we are doing all we can to accommodate you with bonus material, bonus interview footage, um, extra stuff. Uh, We're actually recording new stuff just for the people on the Patreon page. So we just adjusted our levels. Uh, People at the $2 level, which is the entry level and the $100 level, uh, those haven't changed, but we've added a $10 level where you get PDFs from us for for a co-host here, PDFs of our books. Uh, $25 level is something we added, we're now um, every, for every week uh, in each month, uh, one of us will take a week and record a unique special video uh, message just for our Patreon supporters on various topics, and that's for people at the $25 level uh, or above, and we just want to say thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, it means so much, it really blesses us, it means a lot for us to know that you do love the podcast. You do support what we're doing uh, financially, and uh, we love being able to record this extra cool bonus content just to say thank you. So thank you.
3: And if you just happen to be not fiscally able to support the podcast financially on Patreon, the least you can do is give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And I promise you that if you give us a five-star rating on iTunes, that when you die in the afterlife, you will have. Seventy virgins at your beck and call. The yes. hey. happy hour does not endorse what Derek just said.
0: <laughs> That's some sex positivity <laughs> right there. What would what would sort of <laughs> yes.